0: Hello, and welcome to the Viasat and Conversation podcast. I'm Alex Miller with Corporate Communications, and with me today is Christy Jaska, the Vice President of Engineering here at Viasat. So Christy, thanks for joining us today. There's been a lot of interest to have you on the podcast because we're intrigued about Viasat's role in the area of human-centered design. Uh, In fact, last November, Viasat announced a donation to UC San Diego to help researchers provide guidance to engineering organizations on ways to implement that human-centered design thinking approach to drive global and social impacts. So uh, so to kick it off, I just wanted to ask, can you describe what do we mean when we're talking about human-centered design?
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, in fact, we're writing a guide for Viasat on human-centered design. And what does it mean to do human-centered design at Viasat? And I'll actually read the first sentence of that and then talk about it a little bit. So Human-centered design is a field that helps us focus our efforts on actual problems and needs that real people face, and then guides us to provide meaningful solutions delivered through well-crafted products and services. You mentioned UC San Diego and the design lab there. They are helping us write this guide, and I think that sentence came right from them. So human-centered design encompasses... Everything from trying to figure out what problem are we really trying to solve? How should we solve it? And what's a good design to solve it? It can apply to our physical products, for example, for our satellite internet, our satellite modems. What are the buttons and the lights and the connectors and do they make sense? It can apply to digital products, for example, a human experience in using a website or an app. And indeed, it can in- apply to entire service experiences. For example, what is it like to use our internet service on an airplane? Everything from getting connected in the first place to using it. Some words that are often associated with human-centered design are user experience, or UX. That's often focused on digital products. First and foremost, does this digital product do what it needs to to do to help the user with something? And then how easy and intuitive is it to use, to download, to navigate the tabs, does it stall, etc. Other terms kind of associated with this are customer experience, CX, which is a little broader than UX, and that deals with all the interactions that a customer might have with our product. For example, we're deploying internet hotspots, mostly internationally, where people come to a site to use the internet. And what is it like to use the internet there? Do you have to, for example, stand outside on a slab of concrete, or can you go undercover of a roof and maybe even have a comfortable chair to sit on. So what is the entire customer experience with, with our product?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we all intuitively know what that is. We all have all had experiences with things that don't work very well and, and things that do work really well. So it's 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 a it's very important part to the customer experience. But I, I think it might be fair to say that the the better the experience is, the simpler it is, um, and also maybe the simpler it is, maybe the harder the it was. It was probably that much harder for the company to create that thing to make it simple. Is that is that pretty accurate? Well,
1: absolutely. As they say, it's harder to write a short paper than a long one. Right. So you really have to think about what's most important to the end user and. Putting in a lot of extra bells and whistles does not necessarily make it a better product.
0: Right. So, um, going to um, the processes that go into creating a good human-centered design, why? What are some of the challenges? Why? Why is it so difficult?
1: Ah. Well, you know, sometimes it can be challenging to come up with a good design for something, as we discussed, writing that short book or making it simple. But even more fundamentally, sometimes I see companies run into other challenges. One is that they didn't even bring in design or didn't bring it in early enough. And the other is kind of involved with the skill and practice of design. So, on the first one, bringing in design in the first place. You know, I'm an engineer, and so sometimes we have five engineers in a room designing a product, but we we sometimes think of the technical challenges and we come up with brilliant solutions to solve really hard problems. But sometimes we don't look enough at what it is like to use that end product where our solution is buried somewhere solving the hard technical problem. And so just, just the fact of bringing in designers from the beginning of the product design cycle is one important challenge. And the other is, as I mentioned, the skill and practice of design. We have really brilliant front-end developers, i.e. those people who write the code to implement an app or a user interface, for example, for a digital product. And they are really, really good at coding, but when they look at the designs that are designers come up with for that app or that web interface. They say, wow, you know, I I wouldn't have thought of that. And so, you know, there are people who are educated and also practiced in design, and it's not something that you can just do right away without that education and practice. And so another challenge is just making sure that you bring in the designer's
0: And and is that something that's uh, relatively new at, at Viasat?
1: Well, I think in some areas we've been doing this for quite a while, but not in all areas. And so we are working hard at bringing that approach of a designer working with a technical person or an engineer from the very beginning of the product life cycle. So um, let's talk a little bit about
0: what these, uh, what sort of successes look like, or, or maybe uh, like which companies are leading the way in this area and le- what can we learn from them?
1: You know, I think the classic example is the Apple iPhone, you know, that everyone brings up for a simple, elegant design that, that does what you need it to do. But really, once you start thinking about design, it's really interesting to look around at examples in your everyday world, you know, from the good to the bad. and and really learn from those. Don Norman, who runs the design lab at UCSD, has a video called the Norman Doors on the internet. And it's a door where you walk up to the door and you think you're supposed to push, but really you're supposed to pull. So you kind of jam into the door and it's kind of erupt. And then you figure out, oh, I'm supposed to pull it instead. That's not a great design. It's um, not intuitive on, on how you're supposed to use the door. For us, it's just very interesting to to look around at websites, at apps, at physical products, at experiences, and start noticing the good and the bad and and learn from that.
0: Right. That's one of the nice things about uh, working in the digital world. It's really easy to compare uh, all kinds of different websites and apps and, and see what you like, see what works well, and and maybe uh, you know use that as, as inspiration.
1: Yeah. But also beyond that, beyond looking at examples in the everyday world, we do have people who are practiced at that art who have learned about design and that that's also a key ingredient
0: you know a- another component to this this kind of design is uh, aesthetics or um uh, for lack of a better word, just some some things just look cool and they're kind of fun to fun to use, you know, whether it's just a website or an app or whatever. And I think people really respond to that and, and they'll, you know, they'll like a product better if it's not only easy to use, but it's kind of a little bit fun. So I just want, is is intuitive function and, and use uh, just as important as, uh, you know, that ease? and And how do you strike the balance between like, you know, it working well and it being, you know, kind of simple? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think ease and intuitive function is a fundamental part of the beauty of the product. But also, for human centered design, you know, there, or, or, and customer experience and user experience, some people think that. Uh, it's something you do at the end. So, okay, we, we figured out this product, we figured out what it's supposed to do, and we've we've already built it. And, oh, now, let's say, it's again, it's a digital product. Oh, now, designer, can you make this look good? And that's way too late. Mm-hmm. So, really, human-centered design, as we practice it and as the world practice it, starts really at the very conceptual stage. What is the right problem to solve? You know, there have been companies who have... Built the wrong product because they didn't really get to the fundamental root of what that product should do. So, really, research, finding out more about the potential users of the product and what problems are they looking to solve. And by the way, problems that you're looking to solve is our way of saying, for example, a chair is solving the problem of someone not having to stand at a meeting. And, and so that's what we mean by problems. Right. Anyway, there's the strategy. What's the right problem to solve? The research, customer journey maps and service blueprints. What is the experience in using the product or service? Wireframes in di- for digital design, prototypes and mock-ups. How do you Easily navigate through the pages so it's intuitive and and you don't have to tear your hair out looking for a certain function, say, on a website. And then all the way down to the final visual design, which should be both functional and beautiful. When you're thinking
0: about Going down this path, is it more expensive to make something that's easy to use or design friendly and technologically smart, or does it just require a shift in thinking from the start?
1: Ah, interesting. Well, I mean, you do need to include designers as part of the team. And I mentioned a whole wide range of design, starting from strategy all the way down to the visual design. There is a cost in including those people, but the Overall, total cost, I believe, is always less expensive if you look at the whole life of the product. I mean, first of all, are you even building the right product? It's very expensive to go develop something and then realize that you didn't really build the right product to solve the customer problems. If uh, design thinking helps you build more innovative versus just incremental products, more people may buy the product if it's obviously easy to use. There may be less returns of the product or less cancellations of the service if, if the product is actually a service, less calls to customer support. Um, if it's easier and more pleasant to use, people will keep using it. And so again, if you look at the overall cost, I believe it's always less expensive to employ Designers and to think about human-centered design from the get-go. I
0: wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, you know the people here at Viasat, uh, the design team. Is it important to bring in people with different different technical skill sets and backgrounds and personalities to make this kind of thing happen?
1: Oh yes. Some some designers may be computer scientists by degree or by education, certainly, or, or other degree or other technical degrees, but we often find that designers, boy, there's a whole range of degrees that you may have studied um in school or in postgraduate degrees that may include industrial design visual design graphic design multimedia design fine arts interaction design human computer interaction and even areas such as cognitive science or psychology you know we've already talked about there's many levels of work in design starting from the strategy all the way down to the visual design and so there's different there's some people that do all levels but but others specialize in, in one or more of the areas, and so the degrees and the experience can can be quite varied, but I would say they're definitely beyond uh, just engineering degrees.
0: Right. So it sounds like assembling the right team is probably a big, a big part of the challenge right up front. Yeah, absolutely. And when you are looking at different kinds of products and services here at Viasat, I'm assuming like there's, there's different teams that are kind of spe- uh, specialized in, in different things. Is that the way it works?
1: What we do is we try to form cohesive product teams uh, with a product manager and then a product designer and then a technology or engineering person. And and there may be more than one, there's generally more than one product designer and technology engineering person. But they, they work together on a team often spending time in product design lab together working very closely to develop the product from beginning through the first release and by the way it doesn't end at the first release right you learn things from the field you always have roadmaps that you continue developing and evolving the product both in terms of features that you know that you need to add and things you learn from the field and, you know, so therefore need to change in the product as time goes on. And so you bring together a team of people with these diverse backgrounds and have them work together for some extended period to develop the product and and field it and then keep it going. Great. Well, um,
0: you know, thinking a little bit about Viasat as we expand globally, um, I wanted to ask you a little, a little bit about how that's going to impact our design thinking. So, when you think about different cultures, different languages, uh, you know, how does that influence our design practices?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, I was an early employee at Viasat, and I can say that this is a really exciting time in our journey going global with our internet service and related products and human centered design will be a really big part of being able to offer delightful products around the world. So we will have slightly different versions of our products and services and interfaces in different countries and areas. Obviously, there's differences in language and currency, but also possibly in how the interfaces are presented, and even in what kinds of products and services are most needed in a given country or region. So our designs are informed from local research, which includes uh, employees and consultants, who are local to the region and country.
0: So are there product and service areas within our business today where we're approaching this design philosophy first, like some examples?
1: Yeah, you know, we're a relatively big company, and we have many products and services, and we have been doing this for a while for some of our products, but we are working on expanding our capability here and working on doing much more in terms of human-centered design now. Uh
0: I was thinking of the... uh our, uh, the wireless gateway that we have in homes now that's that pyramid-shaped um, thing that looks very different from uh, other, other companies' routers or, or modems that are on the market.
1: Yeah, and so that is our satellite modem, and it is a triangle shape, which is very unusual compared to even our past products and other similar internet modems that are out in the field, uh, we think it, it looks nice, but there's some practical reasons, uh, there's some functional reasons for the shape that it is, which is the um, air ventilation that's needed for the product. We found that with a more standard shape product, sometimes people would pile books right. and other things um, uh, on our modem, which would uh, inhibit the air ventilation. And on a triangle, on the tip of a triangle, you really can't put books. So it's both functional and uh, maybe maybe a little more interesting. So uh, Christy, are there
0: uh, other products or service areas at Viasat where we're approaching this design philosophy first?
1: We talked about our products and the products that Viasat customers might be able to buy or subscribe to, but it's interesting that the concepts can be also used by other organizations you know, within a business. For example, at Viasat, our human resources looks at human-centered design and is looking at how to improve the experience of people interviewing here. Or our facilities department is really looking at human-centered design on how we use our spaces for collaboration, yet quiet, private thinking, and they've learned from each new building that we build. They've learned, and they're improving, and they're really thinking about our employee human experience within our building. So I think that's really cool that we apply these concepts in our internal organizations, in addition to the products that we're designing and building. But overall, I think human centered design, in addition to our excellent engineering, will make really delightful products that will serve people all over the world. And I'm really excited about that. All right. Well, Christy,
0: thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us. We look forward to seeing how these uh, these products will look when they become
1: available. Fantastic. I enjoyed speaking with you.